Welcome to Nixa Talk. This episode will provide our listeners with best practice guidance on Rule 30E3. Learn what leaders in the industry are doing with regard to notice, access, and e-delivery. You're listening to Nixa Talk, a show aimed at providing building blocks for best practice implementation to executives in the global asset management industry. Nixa Talk features targeted content from Nixa's live webinar programming. More content for your on-the-go, easy listening can be found at nixa.org. I'm Allison Lovett, your Nixa host, and on today's show, we're talking about what notice, access, and e-delivery of annual and semi-annual reports look like over the next two years as we transition to the new Rule 30E3 world. Listen in as a group of industry experts talk about their findings. Our experts include Jay Harold, Vice President and Senior Counsel at MFS, and Phil Kolb, Managing Director and Head of Product Group Services at Morgan Stanley. Mary Corcoran, Senior Vice President at Invesco Investor Services, is moderating. We've got this transition period. We talked about the, lo- the glide path and um, between 2019 and 2020. Can you describe your focus and, and include the relevance of e-delivery uh, and the client education component? Phil, can you start off on that one? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so as we as we kind of enter into this period, right, we, we know that we're going to have to, you know, interface with 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 firms with solutions like Broadridge has that that will be able to, you know, kind of seamlessly capture the the, the client's instruction. We know that we'll, you know, likely need to store that, you know, be able to monitor it, be able to utilize it in some of our internal systems. So we're gearing up for that. Um, we probably will use some of our natural kind of interfaces with the uh, with, with our advisor community. Um, we, we have multiple uh, advisor councils, uh, you know, sales assistant councils, where, where we have opportunities as operations to present you know, key changes that are happening, uh, key things that need to be aware of, similar to the things that we did with, with DOL, right, where we were able to communicate kind of what logical changes are happening or not happening, as the, as the case may be, um, and what we think the logical impact would be. You know, make sure that we've got some prepared collaterals and things like that to go out uh, to, the, to the field, you know, for, for reference. Um, you know, make sure that you know, for, at least for us, you know, in the traditional sense, Morgan Stanley, although we, we clearly have, you know, kind of online offerings and things like that, and we have a, a, a Morgan Stanley online site that, that's fairly active and we're, we're getting more and more into the digital space. You know, the traditional model uh, here is for clients to reach out to their advisor, right? So we need to make sure that the advisors, as those inquiries come in, uh, presuming that you know either clients see this on the internet or they see it in one of the shareholder communications that they get or however they get alerted to these things that our you know our advisors and and, and the folks that are on the front lines with those clients you know sound intelligent can articulate you know what's what's happening when it's happening what the implications might be um, you know to make it as um, you know as a non-event as possible I mean the way that we're presenting this would be you know, obviously go out with some type of, you know, hey, you know, for the most part, we think we'll get, you know, 95 or more percent of the clients will be on this digitized uh, solution and that, you know, some number of, you know, some percentage or some number of our clients will, 
will just because that's their nature will will uh, will offset back to the paper. We just need to make sure you know that we're capturing that. So those are all the things that are part of our internal you know committee meetings. We're, we're, we're certainly trying to analyze what are the internal systems that we need to integrate the external solution with. Um, you know who's going to be responsible for it internally, right? We we also want to look at for again for firms like ours where we have a wealth business, we have an institutional business, and we have a fund business. We're looking across all of those. You know, I don't want to necessarily say globally, but we're looking at the impact of this rule that it might have even beyond our traditional wealth client, and and making sure that we've got you know that uh, covered as well. Mostly because we use. A lot of times we use we use shared services, you know, to capture, you know, um, key information that's coming out of when shareholder communications might get delivered, how they would get delivered, and things like that. So we want to make sure that we're not only covering the wealth business specifically, but anywhere where we might have implications on this that 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 is within the purview of the scope of of our review. Yeah, it's like the law of unintended consequences. Jay, from a from a fund perspective, what are what are you guys going to be focusing on in the next two years? Well, you know, as, as much effort has been expended in in implementing this this first phase, I really think that this next phase, this next two year period, is really the the most critical and really where funds should should start thinking about getting involved and 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 with with industry working groups and working with intermediaries and and vendors and and even the SEC to make sure that these goals that are the foundation of rule 30E3 are are ultimately met keep in mind that 30E3 was released as part of a a rulemaking package that included two separate requests for comment right one on on processing fees and one on the overall investor uh, disclosure experience and for those of you who who followed the the rulemaking history you'll recall that uh, there was one uh, dissent among the commissioners and that was commissioner jackson and in his opinion he talked about the fact that you know the rule is being issued with with all these other uh, moving pieces in 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 play and and potential rulemaking that is directly related to the context of of rule 30e3 so why not just wait until all that plays out and you know that that position is certainly not uh, without merit. So while we'll be focusing, you know, in this next phase, of course, on the nuts and bolts of, of 30E3, like, you know, figuring out what the notices will look like specifically, whether we can, you know, buck slip them in, in account statements, and, and of course, getting our, our websites compliant with the uh, with the document requirements, we'll we'll be keeping in a keen eye at MFS on those those two other tracks and how they intersect with 30E3 because they almost certainly will. It's even possible, you know, five years from now, we could be looking back on 30E3 as sort of a, a transitional rule or as part of an evolution in, in this overall uh, investor experience. You've been listening to Nixa Talk expert panels discussing today's most compelling asset management issues. Nixa is a trade association and support of professionals within the global financial community. Come back often and feel free to add our podcast to your favorite RSS feed or follow us on Twitter at Nixon News. Access to the complete live programming, including CE credits, is available to Nixa members. 
For information on how your firm can become a Nixa member, please visit nixa.org and view our membership page. For over 50 years, Nixa has been connecting global asset management participants to discuss and develop industry best practices. Join the conversation today.